the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some of you have a story that can impact the next generation, but you've let shame or guilt influence your use of your story rather than seeing it as a trophy of God's grace and using it for His glory. Serve and make a difference, and all of us can give and make a difference. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew's Gospel, the 19th chapter. It was in the 1990s that Steve Green sang this song, Find Us Faithful. Listen to some of the words. We're pilgrims on a journey of the narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Will those who are following behind you find you faithful? Will the little eyes that are watching your journey be encouraged in their journey? Are you leaving a legacy of faithfulness? Are you making it easier or more difficult for those in your path to run after Jesus? How do we live so that those who come behind us may find us faithful? That's what we're going to deal with in these next few minutes. But first, let's pray once more. So that's our prayer in Jesus' name, Father, that those who come behind us, even on this day, would find us faithful. Lord, that our words, our actions, our response to your movement in our life would be so clear and defining that others are encouraged in their journey. Lord, help us to look behind us and see those who are coming so that we will recognize the stakes with which we're dealing. Jesus, as we read your words, we ask that you would bring us to the moment in which they were spoken. We know you're present with us. So would it be as if we were in that place at that time? Teach us what we need 
to know. Give us, Lord, what we need to have. But most importantly, make us different because we're here. Lord, we recognize that these can be eternal impacting moments. Would you save someone today? Would you change our perspectives today? Would you burden our hearts today? All for your glory. So let the words I'm saying and even my thoughts be pleasing to you, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus loves children. That may be the least shocking statement you've ever heard in a message. Of course Jesus loves children. A lot of us grew up in church and we learned the song, right? Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I learned that church, that song in church growing up. Unfortunately, I didn't grow up in a church where I, I saw a picture of all the children of the world. I just saw white children in the church I grew up in. And so I'm so thankful that my children have grown up in a church where they see in the body of Christ the diversity represented in the family of God. Because Jesus does love all the children of the world. And that includes you, those of you who are children and those of you who are childlike, maybe in your faith. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's the message we're going to get from the passage of Scripture we're going to look at first today. Matthew 19, beginning in verse 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. What's taking place in this passage of scripture is very clear. These Jewish parents were simply following tradition. That's what they had been taught literally in the Talmud to bring their children to the rabbi so that the rabbi might pray over them and pray God's blessing upon them. This is not a foreign concept to us today. In fact, it's not unusual after our services for someone to come and, and to say to me, would you just pray for my family or would, would you pray over my child? But it's specifically common when we have what we call parent-child dedication, where a, a young mother and a young father brings their child before the church family, and we pray for them, and we ask God's blessings upon them. That's exactly what was taking place in this context. But this was particularly special, because these people were bringing them to the rabbi known as Jesus the Christ. The one who saves, who is the anointed one. So they, they knew what these hands could do when they came to Jesus. They had seen him touch 
and heal the blind. They had seen him break bread and feed thousands of people. They knew that the hands of Jesus were different. So, so they were bringing their children to Jesus. Boy, what an important principle right here that we should want to get our children to Jesus just as quick as we can. That should be our desire as parents, as grandparents. Get your children to Jesus. Wisest one who ever lived, Solomon says this in Proverbs, train up a child in the way that they should go, in the way they were bent or made to be, so that when they're older, they'll not depart from it. I like what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said about this. He said, ere your boy has reached a seven, teach him well the way to heaven. Better still, the work will thrive if he learns before he's five. What's the principle? A child can come to Jesus. This is important. It's so important because according to Lifeway Research, 94% of adult Christians say they made their decision to follow Christ before they were 18 years old. Just think about that for a moment. Almost 95% of people who gather today in churches around the world say they began their relationship with Christ before they were 18 years old. So what happens These parents are bringing their children to Jesus. Jesus is surrounded by his disciples. Surely they're excited. They're getting them in line. They're just welcoming them. I'm so glad you brought your children to Jesus, right? No. These snotty disciples rebuke them. We can can tell that they had been hanging out with the religious peoples because that's what the Pharisees would have done. The Pharisees didn't see children as of having value in the journey of faith and the ways of God. So the disciples rebuked the people. Just think about what that means. They had spent two years with Jesus, sharing his life, but they didn't share his heart. That tells me that You can be close to the Lord in proximity and yet be far from him in priority. You can be a part of the things of God even in your day-to-day life and not live the way God wants you to live as a follower of Jesus. So notice the response of Jesus. Excuse me. Back off. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them from coming to me. Stop stopping the children. So the the disciples rebuked the people and Jesus rebuked the disciples. What's the point here? Jesus wanted us to see that he loves children. Jesus wanted us to see the way he views and cares for children. So what did he do? He did exactly what the parents wanted them to do. He prayed for them. He laid hands on them. He blessed them. So how does this get practical? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? 
it would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. First thing I'm going to ask you, are you loving children the way God wants you to love children? How do I relate to that personally? Well, I can't talk about this without stating the obvious. That means that as a follower of Christ, I have to be for all of those who are created in the image of God. That means I have to be pro-life. I have to recognize that that baby, as we, we now can see with 3D images conceived and growing in the womb of a mother, is precious and created in God's image, knit together for a purpose, ultimately to shine for his glory. So just a practical way right there. It also means that I have to be pro-adoption and foster care. Because I can look around and, and see, for example, in our county at any given time, about 2,000 children that are taken out of their homes and, and not being cared for in the way that they should. And yet God has a solution. We read about that in James chapter 1 and verse 27. The half-brother of Jesus says, This is pure and undefiled religion, that you care for the widows and the orphans that you care for children. So, man, I, I hear that, and, and I had to apply that to my life personally. And so we're in the midst of National Adoption Month, and, and I would just tell you, in our family, we made the challenging choice to step out in faith and recognize that that which God has given us was not just to build a bigger pile of stuff, but that He wants us to invest in those that are coming behind us. And, and so we adopted a, a precious little girl that just... Just a few moments ago, kissed me on, on the cheek as I headed out to church and, and told me she loved me. And, and it, we're, we're impacting not only her life, but her forever because we're trying to love children the way Jesus loved children. What about as a church? How do we do that? Well, we have to continue to provide a safe and nurturing place where children can experience the face of God and so that they can feel the hands of God. Just as those children did on that day. How do they encounter the face of God? Well, we teach them God's word. We sing praises to God. We teach them to pray just as Jesus taught us to pray. How do they experience the hands of God? Well, they do so through your hands and my hands. So we commit to serve. And so I'm, I'm so thankful for really about 15% of the people who are part of this church who serve actively in some way in the life of the church. But the reality is a lot of you have kind of taken on that role of consumers when we need you to love children just as, as Jesus loves children. We need you to serve in our preschool ministry or our children's ministry or our, our student ministry. And maybe just for that hour and a half, one week a month or so, just to invest in the lives of those that are coming behind you, that, that next generation. Why? Because Jesus loves children. But there's more I want you to see. Jesus loves children, but Jesus wants us 
to have a childlike faith. We're about to see that the disciples should have already known that which Jesus had to rebuke them about. They should have already known how Jesus felt about children. So turn back one page, and I want you to look in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Calling to him a child, he, he put in the midst of them, and he said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, there's a lot I see in this passage. The first thing I see is often we ask the wrong questions. You ever find yourself guilty of asking the wrong questions? We're geared naturally like these disciples. We ask, what's in it for me? How how do I benefit from this? How do I... How do I look better as a result of this? That's what they were asking. And and part of it is because they had a wrong perspective. Their perspective was that greatness was accomplished through power or through accomplishment or through what you did. And so they were wanting the formula, Jesus, what makes us great? Not only did they not understand greatness, they didn't understand the kingdom. We've discussed this, but they were still expecting that Jesus would bring about some earthly, political, military kingdom. That he would orchestrate some kind of gathering of the the people of God in a way that those in the world would say, yes, they're the ones. And yet that was never what Christ's kingdom was about. Jesus was going to turn their whole way of thinking upside down. Jesus was more concerned with their posture than he was with their platform. And that should be a lesson to us, particularly in this age of social media and influence, that we understand in the the Jesus model the way up is, is down. The way to greatness is humility. That's what Jesus would say. Look at it again in verse 3. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He said, I want you, all of you, to have childlike faith. That's how you're great. Jesus was saying his way is simple. And so that's why as a church, for many, many years, Christ's followers have have reached out to children, to those coming behind us and said, you can follow Jesus. When the world says you have to wait on so many things, the greatest thing you need in your life, you don't have to wait on. You can understand it. You can follow Jesus. In in fact, in our church, we, we say it's as simple as A, B, C. We say, A, you've got to admit that you're sinners in need of a Savior. B, you've got to believe that Jesus died for your sins. And C, you've got to commit your life to following Jesus. Simple, right? It's simple, but it's not easy. It's not easy 
because it requires our humility. And that's something we humans are not good at. Just as the disciples were not good at this. We want to puff ourselves up, not put ourselves down. But Jesus is saying we need to humble ourselves. That's what we're here for. Someone said the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you learn what you were born for. And Jesus is saying you, you were born to humble yourself. Jesus would even model this, and Paul describes it in Philippians 2, right? That he, being God himself, humbled himself in the form of a servant, even to the point of death, death on a cross. So Jesus lived a humble life, and he called us to live a humble life. What does it mean to be humble? He is a word which literally describes dependency, our needfulness. He, he's saying, you've got to get to this point where you understand you need him. Disciples were not there. They were thinking about their needs, but they weren't thinking about Jesus. What about you? Do you have a childlike faith? Have you committed your life to follow Jesus? Now, this is a good place for me to stop. Because after almost 30 years in ministry, here's what I've discovered. There are a lot of adults who don't understand the simplicity of faith in Jesus Christ. Like the disciples, we're assuming that to be great in his eyes, we have to earn or deserve his favor. So like the Pharisees, we make it about our religious involvement or the rituals that we've accomplished. Several weeks ago, I, I had the privilege of baptizing a new friend who had grown up very, very active in the Catholic faith. He, he said, I knew all the rituals. I knew all the biblical answers. But I never understood that God wanted a relationship with me. So maybe you just need to be reminded today that no matter who you are, no matter what your past, you're a person like me that was born separated from God because of sin in your life. And that sin, if left undealt with, would cause you to be punished not only by missing out on God's best on this side of heaven, but you will be punished by spending eternity separated from him. But God does not desire that. That's why he gave us Jesus. You know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's why I like to say you're never more like God than when you give, because he gave us Jesus. Why did he do that? So that whosoever would believe or trust in him would have forever life. What it says in Romans 5, that God demonstrates his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took all the anger of God for your sin and my sin, and he poured it on himself. And as a result, you and I have an opportunity to experience God's forgiveness and to come to him in a dependent needfulness and to let him lead our lives. If you've never taken that step, I want to invite you to do that right now. Would you bow your head with me right where you are?
I first want to ask a question. If you know for certain that if your life ended today, you would spend forever in heaven, if you know that you've got a relationship with Christ, that you're forgiven and saved, I want to give you an opportunity to affirm that. And so right where you are, if you know for certain you've got that relationship with God and you're going to spend eternity in heaven, would you just slip your hand up right where you are and you can slip it right back down wherever you are? That's awesome. What a testimony. It's good for us to be able to testify to that eternal security we have in Jesus. But some of you weren't able to raise your hand. Or maybe you raised your hand, but you, you're not sure. Today is the day I believe of your salvation. Would you come as a child to Jesus? Would you trust him with a childlike faith? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.